Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I am your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined... You know what? Fuck it. Let's just skip the intro. This this finale was absolute <laughs> trash. It's probably the worst episode of Game of Thrones I have ever whoa. seen. Whoa, 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 right. wow. Wow, you're really coming straight out of the gate. Straight out of the gate. You know, you, you know what's the one thing I... The, the one thing I did notice is that almost every single character that's left alive in the cast uh-huh. at this point that has appeared throughout the entire show kind of appeared throughout the last two seasons appear in this episode with the exception of one character which is the saving grace of this episode you know, uh, you're talking you're talking about the fact that um you did not see any of gilliflower right gilly did not appear i, I think it was out, like, out of like the 15 or 16 cast members like left she was the only one not to appear Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think about that because because yeah, Podrick gets his like one second. Um, Tormund gets his one second. You would think everybody would, would get like a montage of like what they're doing now, right? But no, yeah. nobody gets a montage. Nobody gets anything. And uh, guys, we're on SoundCloud, and iTunes. You know the drill. I kind of just want to get into this. So let's get into this. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's weird. It's weird that they see. There's a lot of things in retrospect, like. John had his going away to, to, with Sam, which didn't really make sense considering they were heading in the same direction and all of that. Um, and there was no reason to have a heartfelt goodbye, but mm-hmm. it was the last time the two characters were ever on screen. And so they needed to have a, a, a heartfelt goodbye at that moment. Kind of like John had this heartfelt, had a really heartfelt goodbye to Gilly because that was Gilly's last scene. And then he, doesn't, he, didn't, he said, fuck all the ghost because... He was going to be reunited with Ghost. You know, it's like it's like nothing's natural with human reaction. It's it's all just part of the script. Like, oh god, this is going to be John and Sam's last last scene, so we need to have a really heartfelt goodbye. And this is John and Gilly's last scene. We need to have a heartfelt goodbye. John and Ghost, fuck them. <laughs> well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I, you're gonna love this. So this guy on Facebook, Donnie, he sums it up hundred percent. He says. It's like Kathleen Stark wrote this last episode. Sansa is queen, Bran is king, Arya is doing whatever she wants to do, and Jon is exiled and forgotten. And he's <laughs> he's 110% correct. It is like, because if you guys remember, back in season one, episode two, when Bran's still in the coma, Jon comes in and says goodbyes to Bran, and Kathleen's like, I want you out! Out! And everybody's like, what did he do? Like... It is. It, it. I mean, it's funny when people are like, "Oh, it's gonna be a bittersweet ending." For the Starks, it's a fucking happy ending. Yo, everybody. F- remember after the remember like, like an hour after the Red Wedding episode happened, everybody's like, "Oh my god!" Peter Dinklage gets on Twitter and he says, "If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention." Yes, we if have. If you think it has a happy ending, it has a completely happy ending. It's almost like the showrunners went to every Chad Summerchild fan out there and asked them what they would love and want for the final episode <laughs> for all these characters, and just gave them what they wanted. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that even though I will say, I will say, there's one exception, and and even Danny haters out there, and there were a lot of Danny haters, but even Danny haters are were like, no, they didn't do Daenerys right. Like even if they believed in a Mad Queen theory, they didn't believe they gave they did her right. See, you know? I, I wouldn't mind Daenerys's change if it came gradually ever since season five. Because season five, actually no, no, since season four, 
Actually, you know what? Season 5. Because Season 5 is when she's still in Marine, and the Sons of the Harpy are giving her shit. And she's starting to get, like, fed up with it, and you start to see bits and pieces of her crack. Subtle, but there. Mm-hmm. That would have been fine if it was built up all the way to this season where it comes ahead. Where everyone's, you know, where she's seeing daggers in every shadow. And quite frankly, she had every every reason to be pissed off at everybody around her. Her hand of, her hand of the queen was fucking up. Her spy master was spying on her and just being a douche. Uh, Sansa refusing to bend the knee and, and you know, kind of almost setting up John to be king. Like, I don't blame yeah. Danny for, for doing what she did. She got bad advice, and people around her were just generally awful, and Cersei was just using people against her. It, it, it was just a whole clusterfuck for Danny ever since she got to Westeros. And seeing Jon being loved over her, she's a stranger in this land, she feels isolated. It all made sense, but it should have been built up over the last three seasons. So, so um, somebody sent me this today, and it was, it was a Scientific American article, and they said why... It's their theory on why um, Game of Thrones didn't work. And they said that the show shifted from being a sociology, a soci- sociological show to being a, to being a, psycho- a psychological show. Mm. And what it, yeah, it's a really interesting concept. Yes, yeah, send that to me later on Facebook. I actually want to read yeah. that. So, but, but, you know, the, the general gist is the first episodes are about how we act. The first seasons are about how we act based on our, our role in society, like what, what power we have, what agency we have, how our actions affect the community, and, and what the community will do in response. Um, and even when you, when you think of things like the Red Wedding, the Red Wedding isn't so much about um, Walder Frey's like, psychology, though some people will really read into his whole, like, oh, they're laughing at me. But it's, but it's more about, like, strategically, like, how can my, our house gain power in this system, in this feudalistic structure where, you know, you've denied this wedding and now how am I going to gain power and respect in the, you know, in the community? And so I go to Tywin and the, you've got these complicated interactions of human beings. It's sociological. Well, the later ones are about people's feelings. Like, why does Jamie need to go back? Oh, he needs to go back to Cersei. He can't quit her. It's all like in his, it's all the emotion that's inside him. Like, what's Danny doing? Oh, she's going psych, she's going psych, like, she's going psychotic. Like, you know, it's about her mindset. What's John thinking? Oh, he's feeling so sad. But nothing is, nothing is about um, the, the relationship of of people anymore and how it fits in the in the feudalistic structure. There's the, the sociology of it all falls apart, um, and you know we've been we've been criticizing this for years. In but when we when we talk about it, it's like oh have they have they forgotten about you know succession? Have they forgot that this is the Middle Ages? We start bringing these things up, but th- but it's true that it's all symptomatic of they stopped looking at the show as relationships between people and they started looking at the shows as the show as each person's human um, struggle individually as islands um, and you know that's great for acting work because you know the actors can can feel it but it doesn't really like you know fit with with like the, the plot and the story you know it's but. funny like um Everybody, so you said like this is an article from Scientific American? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny, everybody 
across the spectrum. Like you had this like one football player, I think it was Aaron Rodgers, who he hated the finale. Um, I, I I love this uh, this anime called Attack on Titan. The creator of Attack on Titan, he hated the finale. My buddy Dave, who thought Arya killing the Night King was the coolest thing ever, he hated the finale. If one thing is clear, this finale has brought everybody together to hate on it. And this is the one thing I said in my review. How come every single show that goes beyond five seasons starts to, starts to fucking suck? I don't get it. I really don't understand. Well, well, some people would argue that. I mean, there there are some a few that aren't so bad. Where like the drop off for the last seasons isn't bad. Like people would say that the last the last couple seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation or something like didn't drop off, and some some short series really drop off, like Battlestar, which um, I mean I don't know if you watched Battlestar when it came out, no. but oh, but. Battlestar was so beloved, so beloved when it was going on. Mm-hmm. Like just, and then the last season was so horrible that everyone just kind of forgot about the show. It's amazing that the show dropped off out of the zeitgeist because it was, it was something that everyone was talking about and people were using the, the, the language from the show and it was, it, was, it was really everywhere and then all of a sudden it wasn't and it wasn't remembered fondly, you know? It's kind of like how when The Hobbit came out, like people were really into The Hobbit, like, oh my gosh, The Hobbit's coming out. And, but then they were horrible, and so everyone's like, let's just forget about these things. And, and that's kind of what I'm afraid of Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones is a great story here. First couple of seasons were fantastic, but these last few seasons, I don't want it to be remembered by these last few seasons. I really don't. I would still argue that season five was probably the last good season. Some people didn't like it that much, and yes, we all know, you know, the Sand Snakes, you know, like clap like seals. Everybody loves to mention how much the Sand Snakes suck. Yeah, 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 whatever. Sna- Sand Snakes aside, season five was still, in my opinion, pretty solid. Yeah. We got two dreaded episodes. It ended on a like fantastic cliffhanger. You know, we had the uh, bl- black wedding. Like, there was a lot of good stuff in there that was just equally as shocking and intense and insane. Um, but by the way, by the way, that's that that uh, Scientific American article is is entitled. Anyone that wants to look it up, it's called "The Real Reason Fans Hate the Last Season of Game of Thrones" mm-hmm. um, on Scientific American. It's really, really. Yeah, I want, I want, I definitely want to check it out because everybody and their mothers on YouTube seems to have like a what went wrong with Game of Thrones the last. It's like it's like the the there, defining well, there's video. Some, there's some other interesting things. So so someone par- posted a chart that I saw, which was which was the number of words per minute per episode for Game of Thrones. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, and it is, it is this trend line downward. The, wait, the, like, no, the, number of the, the number of words per minute? Words per minute. Uh-huh. Like, it's just, I mean, you can see the very clear trend. Just, like, down. Um, so you're, like, you're talking about the number of words per minute in the episode, like, plummets about... 30 to 40 percent by the end of the show mm-hmm. which is which is just insane and it's true there's just so much dead time and 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 some people say oh well you know it's you know it's there's there's more action there's more action scenes and you can see those episodes but even the episodes after that are not action aren't aren't high they're not anywhere close to to season one and the style is just completely different and you know i didn't realize how bad how bad the writing was until um, I saw another post today uh, where this this one was called Good Subs 
And this guy has taken scenes from season eight and he has uh, removed the, the dialogue and instead he has subtitles on the bottom. And he's just put in his own subtitles and oh my God, like he... Like he's well, he's he's changed the language back to the way they're talking first season, mm-hmm. and then he's just created like t- the the tension between the characters. But this is just this is just a random, you know, um, fan, and his writing is so phenomenally better, so much phenomenally better than than um, what we saw in season eight. It's it's amazing. This is this is a very common trend. I've gotten so many fucking emails and messages from people saying, "Hey, Carmine, please read my rewrite of uh, season eight. A lot of times I just brush it off, but a few times I did actually read some of the stuff. And a lot of these fans have better endings for the characters, better dialogues for the characters than people paid you have better stuff writing, <laughs> like like the whole hound thing. Like, and I'm sure you have like like a plethora of more ideas. Then I'm sure you're, you're, you're going to probably make a video on how you would fix season eight coming up soon. Mm, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, like, people in the comments section themselves have better ideas on how to do things than people actually paid to do it. And before we get into that, um, I did want to mention real quick, what are your thoughts on the petition uh, that over a million people have signed to redo season eight with competent writers? I mean, it's a waste of time. It is like, a waste of time. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's done. It's like it's like somebody going back and redoing The Phantom Menace. Like, okay, like, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. HBO put in 90, $90 million, $90, it sounds like it, um, $90 million, um, for season eight. And there's no way... Like I said, my, I have a buddy of mine. He does work for HBO. He, he you know, he does graphic designing. He, he, he told me, like... The higher ups, the the way they feel about the the ending of season eight and season eight in general is bittersweet because they're fans of the show as well, and they were near begging Dave and Dan to just have more time and you know more money uh, to do ten episodes. They didn't want to do it. Okay, fine. They're fans of the show too, but it's bittersweet because they made a lot of money off season eight. However, at the same time, it sucks. So what are you going to do? Like, you can't... And the petition has been making the rounds. News stations have been picking it up. Newspapers as well. And they've been asking some of the actors. This is what Kit Harrington had to say. Kit Harrington says, Whatever critic spends half an hour writing about this season and makes their judgment on it, in my head they can go fuck themselves, he tells Esquire, because I know how much work was put into this. Sophie Turner says... So many people worked so hard, so hard on it, and for people just to rubbish it because it's not what they wanted to see is just disrespectful. Jacob Anderson, who plays Grey Worm, he says it's very rude, and there are a lot of people who worked very hard on it. You see a trend here? So, the petition itself specifically states that Dave and Dan are trash writers, and they want better writers. The actors here are defending the people, like, behind the scenes, like, I'm sure every fan, 99.9% of every single fan who had a problem with season 8 understands that this is Dave and Dan's fault. Not the people who do costumes, not the fucking composer of the music, not the set guys, not the weapon people, not the costume guys, the cinematographers. It's all Dave and Dan because, I even said this in my review, the, the throne room scene between John and Danny looked absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I mean... Look, the cinematographers, the actors, the, the music, the filming, like, I mean, other than it being dark, 
you know, in some episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like we, we, no one has any complaints. It's, it's just the writing. It's just the dialogue. That's the thing. It's just the dialogue. It's, and, and general plot points. <laughs> but that's, I can't even, you know, that's the thing is what they're trying to divert it. It's, it's just generally strawmanning an argument. When you, when you don't have, when, strawmanning an argument is, you know, the, the it's a, uh, it's, it's the, it's when you can't argue a point, you choose a weaker point and you argue against it. You know, mm-hmm. when you're like, you know, if you're having an argument, and you're like, you know, I think, uh, I think, you know, police shouldn't, um, you know, beat up people so much. And then someone's like, oh, well, I guess we just shouldn't have police. When you're like, well, no, I didn't say, I didn't argue that at all. So it's like, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Well, there should be better writing on Game of Thrones. Oh, but people worked really hard. Well, no one said people weren't working hard. Mm-hmm. Well, people people are saying specifically that um, uh, that the writing is bad. That's what's bad. It's so bad. But I'm just like I'm just like real simple, like changing the language, and 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 creating some like you know tension between characters and like a reason for dialogue to be happening, not awkward scenes of people moving chairs or awkward silence with with you know Tyrion and and Grey Worm and Missandei or you know, awkward silence of people at, at eating at a dinner. All right, well, let's get into the episode. And there's something that I rarely agree with you on, and is that there's a lot of people wasting time. Um, but I have to agree with you on with, with this on here. There's a lot of wasting time. It's almost as though they were trying to fill the episode with just stuff to fill a certain time gap. Yeah. What happened, did you, do you remember the, the news stories that, oh, you know, each one of these episodes is going to be like a feature film. Each one of them is going to be like an hour and a half, two hours. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, so it's only six episodes, but we're getting just as much. We're getting ten hours, just like a regular season. They just say it's only six. No, we didn't. They weren't extra long. Yeah. This is something I've been saying for like the past few seasons. I always fucking hate when people say Carmon. It's like it's like an over an hour long. No, it's not. They're including the behind the scenes stuff. They're including the ending credits, the opening credits, the last time on Game of Thrones. If you when you really remove all that stuff, really what it is is just forty five minutes. Right, and and of that forty five minutes, we get like I say, there was there was there was seven and a half minutes of Tyrion walking at the beginning of this episode. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, Tyrion walking, yeah. a lot of staring. Let me ask you a question, though, because this is something I ask people on Twitter. Even people who hated this episode, they thought this was a really cool scene. Well, Daenerys comes off of Drogon, and she's walking forth, and Drogon flies up. The, when Drogon's wings flap, if, if, for a second, yeah. if you pause it, it looks like Danny has wings. Did you think that uh-huh. was lame? I, I, you know, I thought it was... I, here's the thing, is... is that scene looked cool. The, the, the ridiculous scene of, of Drogon underneath the snow. Some people are like, it's ash. It's snow and... It started snowing. So it's snow and ash. Smash? I don't know. Like, that's a cool-looking scene, even though it doesn't make sense. Um, there's, there's a lot of cool-looking scenes. Like, like you know, uh, Drogon burning the Iron Throne is supposed to look cool. But it's very, it's very, it's very clear that they had a bunch of, like cool looking vignettes and then they just decided that they're going to transition to each one thinking that these iconic moments were going to carry the episode that if we you know if because 
you know, Tyrion, they've made such a big deal of Tyrion throwing that pin down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like anyone cared. You know, it was like, oh, this huge stairs, and then they focus on that pin going, dunk, 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 dunk. Who cares if Tyrion, like, take a look at how much time Edmure takes to throw his pin. It's nothing, you know? And that's the scene that's supposed to parallel. He just takes the pin and goes, Kluk. You, you mean, you mean, you mean uh, 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 Eddard? I'm sorry, Eddard, mm-hmm. not Edmure. But, but in, in first season, mm-hmm. like, it's not this, like, epic, like, he threw the pin. Bah! Like, no one cares. It was, it was a stupid, like, he didn't even have the position anyway because he'd already betrayed Danny. She was going to take it away from him. You know, but they, everything, they, were, they tried to create all this gravitas to these things that shouldn't have had gravitas. They, they brought in some people to specifically, like, make sure that there was enough time wasted to fill that gap. That two hour. Yeah, I mean, they they went heavy on the cinematography, hoping that it would cover for everything else. And the cinematography was fine. Look, I I wasn't too impressed by the dragon wing thing. I don't think it did anything for me one way or the other. Other. If it's not part of the story and doesn't mean anything to me, I mean, it, was it supposed to be some sort of, like, Danny is a dragon? Or well, Danny's yeah, the devil, fucking, I guess. Uh. Or Danny, you know, is that what we're doing? <laughs> like, it's a little heavy-handed. Like, yeah, I got that she's, she's a dragon or, or, or evil. Yeah. We, she burned a city down. We, we got it. Um, I mean, if it led to something else, like it led to John's psychology of thinking that she was evil, and then it turns out she wasn't evil, and you're like, oh, I see why, like, John went that direction. Well, but, as far as John knows, Danny is evil because she burned a city down, not because she wants to take over the world. Because when she gets off Drogon's back, she makes that speech in High Valyrian. However, two thirds right. of her entire forces don't speak High Valyrian. You made this great point. I love the, I love how you noticed this specifically, and like I didn't even catch it. Like that's a great point. The Dothraki they don't speak High Valyrian. The Westerosi forces they don't know what the fuck she's saying. Right. I'm sure Arya might know what she's saying, maybe. Maybe, but we have no evidence of it. Like, right. like yeah, she might have been learning language at the, at, at the House of Black and White. She certainly knows Bravosi, but we have no evidence that she does. I mean, Arya, of all the people, Arya would be the one that would know. But because we were specifically told that Tyrion's High Valyrian is crap over and over again. Jon certainly doesn't speak it. Like, it, so, I mean, it's either he listened to her. I don't know. So, you ever, you, you ever listen to the band Tool? No. So on one of uh, Tool's albums, they have a um, they have a, a track where this guy is speaking German as if he's at a rally, and he's just he's speaking and he's like da ya 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 da and there's this crowd cheering and it sounds like some sort of like you know um, Hitler kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it turns out he's actually reading reciting the in, the um, the directions for baking a cake. <laughs> Okay. And so it's this big joke, right? Yeah. And and um, so like John and Tyrion, I guess only from how she sounded and him and him perhaps hearing the word Winterfell, would he have ever like gotten anything from that? I just love how you caught it, man. Like you made a great point. Like they're not bilingual. Like the Dothraki, they don't speak it. Like that's a great point. Only the Unsullied understood what she was saying. I mean, that was that was the funny thing because she's like she's like from Winterfell to Old Town. You're like, okay, but Winterfell bent like bent the knee. It's part of the kingdom, right? I mean, unless Sansa causes trouble, 
old town, not a problem. And then she's like from, from Lannisport, which again, Tyrion is the only person that we know who's now a, a, a freaking Lannister. So I guess he's, he, he has Casterly Rock, so that's already submitted, to Karth. Are they really going all the way fucking back to Karth <laughs> to, to liberate Karth? You know, Karth uh, liberate Karth from what? Karth seemed pretty liberated. Well, yeah, that's the thing. The leaders all died. We have no idea how Karth is, what Karth is doing. Karth didn't, uh, I mean, it didn't have slavery that we saw. And, and the, li- the leaders were all murdered. At the, so we have no idea. So, so that yeah. whole speech thing, I, one of the things I found ridiculous, I've never rolled my eyes so hard a Game of Thrones episode and I did this one. The first eye roll was when John and Danny have that little stare at they're taking Tyrion away. John's watching her walk off. Arya all of a sudden appears like Batman. Like she's Wolverine yeah. and Batman. I, I thought that was so fucking lame. I just And almost almost every review that I saw of like criticized Arya's whole I know I know a killer when I when I see one. Like every single review like was just like really like even even Gay of Thrones, which is <laughs> like which I which I watch. What's it? Were they called Gay of Thrones? Gay of Thrones is hilarious. Spell, spell that G A Y Gay of Thrones. G A Y, yeah, yeah, Gay of Thrones. It's the guy from um, Queer Eye. Well, he got he 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 did this series and then he got noticed and so they gave him they gave him position on Queer mm. Eye, and uh, he's he's fucking hilarious. But he he does he does reviews of all the Game of Thrones episodes. Uh-huh. And, and they're just they're just ridiculous because they have nothing to do with the the episode at all. He just kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, if somebody if somebody is getting burned by a dragon, he'd be like, and then everyone got a facial, you know, and like like okay, ah, <laughs> uh, but but he even he was. <laughs> but but the main complaint of Arya for this entire season was, what was the point of her faceless men training because she didn't even use. A good chunk of like the abilities she acquired. She she used her face changing for for the phrase. That's it. That's it. And in fact, some you know it's been pointed out that that Walder Frey was a much more formidable villain than the Night King or Danny or you know or any of these. People. How so? Like Walder Frey is a much more formidable villain. Well, I mean, you think like how many Starks? How many Starks did the Night King kill? Zero. Zero, you know, like things like that. I mean, he killed he killed you know Ed. I suppose that that that's like the closest you're gonna get. Um, he killed Jorah, Theon, you know, things like that. But like he didn't really kill you know no no mid no characters. While Walder Walder Frey killed Catelyn and Rob and know, Rob's wife like and that. Rob's unborn and child Rob's wife. and Rob's unborn mm-hmm. child. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the Night King in a minute because uh, there was something you told me in our spoiler cast episode that did not come true, which I was super bummed out about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So after, after we get that scene with uh, Arya saying that stupid shit, which I, I really hated Arya this entire season, um, the fact that she didn't even use any of her faceless men. She, 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 she did use the training. She was you know going bonkers with the staff during the Battle of Winterfell. But beyond yeah. that, like the faceless yeah. men abilities just to change faces, people were saying, well, she didn't even use any of that. Like, where, I'll defend her here. Where is she really going to use it here? I guess she was going to use it. She, she should have used it during, like, the sneaking into King's Landing thing, but then they would, then she wouldn't have had that scene with the Hound, so. I mean, had they, do you think, would you have liked the Battle of Winterfell episode more if 
you know, all of the White Walkers are standing around, and then she rips off her face, and she's one of them, and she stabs the Night King. Do you think that would have been better than out of fucking nowhere leap? Uh, Arya, I think. <laughs> so I so, mean, you'd look still be like, oh, fuck it. Arya kills one of the White Walker generals, rips off its face, poses as one, waits for the Night King to appear, and then takes off the face and stabs the Night King. No, I mean we'd have it would have to be like a little different. Like let's say one gets trapped, like she's fighting one in a in a in a corridor and it gets trapped under some rocks mm-hmm. or something, and then it's trapped and it can't move, and then that then it like cuts away, and then in the last scene, like everyone's closing in, and you think that Bran's gonna die, and then all of a sudden Bran like one of the one of the guys rips off his face and it's Arya and she stabs the Night King. That would make no sense. That makes equally no sense as how fucking. I know because you can't peel off their. Fa- well, I mean, you can't. I don't know how you, you probably peel can't off peel off their face. Either. But even if you did, the Night King has some kind of connection to them, as we saw. So he would know something's off. So that's that's as equally as dumb, maybe more dumb <laughs> than Arya jumping so fucking far. But it'd be her using her abilities at least. I, that was the idea. I guess she's using her abilities now. Um, because the way she's sneaking around, I guess the faceless men taught her to step lightly. I, 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 I light of foot. I don't. Or, or you know, how about how about um, how about it's uh, the, okay. How about this? How about all the torches go go out, and it's super dark, and she kills him in the dark. <laughs> so all the torches go out, and she kills him in the dark. But he's the night king. He's the king of the night. Darkness is his domain. <laughs> yeah, it's, she's just not designed. She's just not designed for it. She didn't. That's the thing is she didn't use it really in her, her abilities. Except, I mean, leaping super high out of nowhere isn't necessarily the. Uh, I don't know. She blends into a tree somehow. <laughs> she's like camoed into a tree. She's like that. Uh, what's, what's that bastard kid that uh, in the books he witnessed the. Uh, yeah, the pipe? he like. Wha- she's like. She's like. Wex Pike, mm-hmm. yeah. She pulls that. <laughs> oh my god. It's funny too because Maisie Williamson interview that she would have liked it if Arya died uh, while uh, killing Cersei. Which, th- the way I, I agree with that. Her revenge, you know, she was so consumed by revenge that in the end it really took her out. However, I, I don't want her killing yeah. the Night King and Cersei. If anything, I would like Theon to kill the Night King. He would be the prince that was promised. He was Prince of Winterfell. I have a whole... Yeah. I, I want to do a video on it later. I don't know. Maybe I'll discuss it with you as well. But I would love it for a Theon to kill the Night King, and then Arya goes and kills Cersei, and then she dies a lot, somehow along the way. So so one of, one of my favorite series of all time is Angel, and um, one of the reasons I really liked it was I was watching the, the sort of, you know, director commentary from, from Joss Whedon, and he said that one of the big things that he wanted, he believed is that there was no gain without there was no gain without sacrifice mm-hmm. that any time the any time angel wins he has to lose something nearly equal in return in, or, in you know in order to in, or, you know it's only a slight win you know so like you know he he has to lose something and that was kind of like and you know, I went through and I was like, wow, that's, that's really true. And it's something that made Angel a really compelling show. But I realized that, like, the Starks, you know, they just didn't lose enough later on. They lost a lot in the early seasons, the ones that George wrote. Mm-hmm. 
But I thought that, okay, had Arya um, stabbed the Night King, but say, like, the arm that the, that the Night King grabbed, let's say it got frostbite, and she had to have that arm amputated. Oh, yeah. Like, do you... Th- yeah, you know, something. Um, that she lost something uh, as a sacrifice. Because, really, I mean, our main characters didn't lose much. I mean, Danny lost Jorah. And Sansa, who only liked started liking Theon recently, lost Theon. But it's funny you, you know. mentioned Jorah too, because there was an interview with one of the writers where he said that he wanted Jorah to survive towards the very end, but it wouldn't make any sense logically, which makes me laugh. Like logically, come on, guys, just not nah, now. Nah, you're just chilling. Shut the fuck up. But apparently, the 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 ending they kind of wanted for Jorah was. Jorah would survive until the very end and would join the Night's Watch with Jon. Now, I know this is in the books. Doesn't Jor Mormont tell Sam that he wants Jorah to join the Night's Watch? Um, he does. It's it's a very interesting um, <clears throat> it's a very interesting situation. But but does he say it in the in the show? He does not say it in the right, show. Right, so that they were right. It wouldn't make any sense. Not to mention, why the fuck would Jorah join the Night's Watch? No, not without without the command from his father. He would have, he wouldn't do it. Right, because I mean, he he had the opportunity, and he and he did, he he ran to the he ran to the free you know away. So, but um, why would he do it in he, the show? Even if he survived the Battle of Winterfell, why would he do it in general? If anything, I would. If anything, he would want to kill Jon Snow because he's so attached to. To Daenerys. Yeah, yeah. The, the the by the the Jorah thing is super interesting in the book. Just uh, as a quick tangent, mm-hmm. because he's Jior uh, G- uh, makes this command to, and he, he says it to Sam, but Gilly is next to him, and then they they head you know to Old Town, and then Sam goes inside the Citadel, and Marwyn gets on his ship, the same ship, and goes to Slaver's Bay, and we don't know what happens to Gilly, and so Book Gilly, we're not sure if she was left behind in Old Town. Or if she is off to Slaver's Bay, which means that there's potential that Gilly could meet Gior, I mean, could meet Jorah and communicate Gior's last dying Do you wish. really think Sam is that neglectful that he would leave Gilly on the fucking ship? I mean, he was kind of hypnotized by Glass Candle, so... Oh, okay. Glass Candle. Yeah. I, lo- I, love- I, love- I love your like, like, explanation for everything. It's either Glass Candle or Weirwood Net. Well, no, I mean, what happens is, in the book, he's, he, he's getting off the ship, and he doesn't know where, to, where to, to leave Gilly. So he goes up to the ship's captain, and he's like, hey, are you going to be unloading for a long time? And they're like, yes, we'll be unloading for, like, two days. And he's like, okay, Gilly can stay here? And they're like, sure, no problem. And he's like, okay, cool. And then he goes to the Citadel, and he meets Sorella Sand, and she brings him to, to Marwen, and Marwen like, talks to him real quick, and he's like, anyway, I gotta get going to Slaver's Bay. I'm gonna take the same ship that you took. I'm out of here. And Sam's like, huh. And he, like, looks into the glass candle, and then he looks out the window, and, like, the sun is set. And he's like, huh. And then that's kind of, like, where the, where the chapter ends. And it's strange, because the ship captain said, I'm gonna stick around for a while, but then Marwin's like, I'm leaving immediately on your ship. So there's a good reason why Sam left Gilly there, because he thought that he'd have time. But then if Marwin goes onto that ship and is like, we're leaving now, he, he's got Gilly. But we have no idea. I mean, maybe he kicked Gilly off. Like, why would you want to take Gilly with mm-hmm. you? But, you know, there's, 
So it's weird. Weird stuff. So the next thing we get is probably my favorite scene in this entire episode um, is the conversation between John and Tyrion. Now, John and Tyrion, I felt like this was a conversation between fans of the show arguing with each other because this is something I always see in the mm. comments section. People arguing for Danny, arguing against Danny, blah, 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 blah. And I know you weren't a big fan of this conversation. And to be frank, out of all the conversations we have seen in season eight, this is probably one of my least favorite. But in this episode, mm. it has to be the best scene because it's the least dumb scene. It really is. If you think about it. It is the least. It is the least. I mean, I'll grant you it's the least dumb scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the le- Yeah, it's the least dumb scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of anything because all the rest of the scenes are so horrible. But yeah, I mean, they they spend a lot of time flushing out ideas. You know, Tyrion Tyrion is like the conver- there's not much logic to what Tyrion's saying, but he's kind of throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. And ev- you know, and eventually something does. Because he he makes a lot of really disparate ar- arguments um that that none of which are are super logical, but I don't know. He's he's in, he's I guess you could justify it by saying, "Oh, he's panicked and he's just trying any angle to get to get John to kill Danny." Right. Um, but you know, he, you know, he goes over. He makes his argument, and and, and it does work. Uh, he does convince John to some extent to kill Danny, and then we see John heading over to the Red Keep and the throne room. And once again, this scene is very beautiful. I love how it's shot. I love, I love, you know, every, where everybody's placed. Danny finally touches the throne. We see the vision from season two. It's, it's yeah, it's really weird because when it started raining ash last episode, I thought. I actually thought, wow, that's really clever that, you know, in the vision we think it's snow. Mm-hmm. And then... Winter's finally come. For it, yeah, for it to be ash is really is really clever subversion of that. But then it actually did start snowing, and you can very clearly tell it's... Well, is it confirmed as snow? Because... Yeah, I mean, you can see the crystallized snow on the, on the, on the, on the, um, on the throne. Huh. I mean, it's... And, and, and in the vision, you can hear her feet crunching. Um, but it's, I, had they not, years ago, had they done the vision and you couldn't tell if it was snow and there wasn't the crunching and then the, n- now, and it was ash, it would have been really clever. Um, but I don't know. They, they kind of hedged their bets and made it both snow and ash at the same time. They also kind of fucked themselves in the ass a little bite. That would have been a great sub, uh, subversion of expectations because we did think originally it was snow, but it was ash. But now it's a combination of both. You should have just left it at Ash. Right. Like, had it just been Ash, it would have been really clever. Yeah. And I, I would have probably for, I probably would have forgave the crunching and the vision and be like, well, the vision was slightly wrong. Visions are, visions are often slightly wrong. Like, Danny never met Drogo in a tent north of the wall. So, and that was one of her visions. So, but... Um, I mean, well, to be fair, yeah. she never met Drogo at the end of the wall, but... I mean, you could stretch it out so far and thin that her meeting Drogo and their son is the afterlife, and going beyond the wall is Jon's journey. I, uh, <laughs> you could really stretch it, but yeah. it's something. Um, it's something. We could see Jon killing Danny a mile away. Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, I, I, this is something I've argued. Game of Thrones is great when you don't expect it. Something. We, we... Oh, so, so it was great up to season three. <laughs> <laughs> I guess some people didn't know that Oberyn was going to die. They really thought that Oberyn... They introduced Oberyn as this big character. I, so I think some people were still surprised at Oberyn's death. But there... Um, 
there was not there's not many surprises after that. I suppose I was truly surprised at Doran Martell and and Tristane getting killed. That I did not see coming. Well, did you all see did you see coming Stannis burning Shireen? Um I guess not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming, no. I didn't see like there's little things. I didn't think that that mother was going to die, you know, things like that. Um, but there, there weren't too many, there weren't too many, I mean, there's so much plot, like, like for the big five, like John, Danny, Jamie, Cersei, Tyrion, like you knew they were safe in every single scene and nothing would happen to them of any significance. I mean, they even killed, they even killed John and everybody's like, she, he's coming back. Yeah. Like ever, everyone knew that he was coming back. Like you can't keep him dead. But he kills Danny here. We all saw it coming a mile away. I saw it coming a mile away. I, I would have liked it if it was, you know, if at one point he, he lets her go, he doesn't stab her. He lets her go, and, he, and, he, and he's trying desperately to believe that, you know, she's not as insane as Tyrion's making her out to be. But no, he kills her, and Drogon throws a tantrum. Now, when you told me this in the spoiler cast episode, I was like, he just flies off. But apparently, no, he flies off with her after melting the throne. Him melting the throne was yeah. so dumb, it's almost like he read the script. Yeah, I mean it. It, it it's so heavy handed. Mm-hmm. It's so heavy handed. Makes um, no fucking sense I mean, as to why he would give a fuck. Right. I mean, had he? Here's the thing: is if he was going to do something, if if I wanted to make that scene and I wanted to symbolically melt the Iron Throne, you know, and you know, I want that in there, I wouldn't have the dragon illogically just blast at it as if he understands like monarchy. I would have him, like the dragon, going nuts, bashing down walls, yeah. f- throwing flames in every direction. You know, John starts jumping, you know, in a, in a hole, missing the flames. The, the dragon's just going nuts, and he destroys the, the throne that way. Yeah, and it would draw the attention the, of the Unsullied, who see the destruction going on all over the place. Right. You know, then... then then I would accept it. Then you can go, oh, well, you know, and, and symbolically the Iron Throne was destroyed. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's just him being, like, so pointed. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill the Iron Throne because I hate the fact that all of these people battled for this and it ended up killing my mother. And, it's just and then he grabs her body and flies off east. Like, I, I, I just don't have any words. That's just so fucking stupid. It really is. It really is so fucking well, stupid. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what. I mean, some people like some people thought like, okay, what if they had a last scene where Drogon lands, like somewhere off in the Dothraki Sea, in an isolated part, and there's just this clutch of eggs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, or something. But no. But weirdly, Bran wants to find him. That well, we'll get to that later. But that's a really weird, interesting line, um, that I'm surprised they had. But. Uh, uh, well, well, well Bran seems to yeah, we'll get to it. But Bran seems to know where everything is all the time, except for magical creatures. Have you noticed this? <laughs> he's he's no Newt Scamander. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> man, well, man, he doesn't know you know magical creatures and where to find them. He he is the exact opposite. Um, I mean, he his his omnipotence is is, I mean, he can see the future except when he can't, right? 
That's why if you're gonna have these powers, you like, have to like have rule set of rules to them of what they can right. and can't do. I can understand if he can't see magical creatures. He has to have he has to warg into normal creatures to spot out and spy on magical creatures, such as like you know the White Walkers are like magical in their own way, and you have to use ravens or crows or whatever to go spy on them beyond the wall. But they said you know it, you know he said like oh well that will will. Dragonfire killed the Night King, and he's like, I don't know, no one's ever tried. And so that makes it sound like he only knows the past, but we specifically see that he's been given glimpse of the f- glimpses of the future. Right. So, so he knows some of the future and all of the past? Well, that leads us into the next scene, which is uh, Tyrion's trial. Now, you made it seem like Grey Worm has all the power here. I would argue, who the fuck is Grey Worm? Like, Grey Worm has control because he was named he was named Master of War, so he has control over the Dothraki and the Unsullied, and so he's got control over you know an ar- the largest army in Westeros by far. Like we're we're so mm. we're told we're told that the Northern forces we're once told that the Northern forces are ten thousand, and then Sansa later says there's twenty thousand, and then we find out half of them died. So at best, you're talking between five and ten thousand Northern Northerners. I would say five. I'll argue at least three to five thousand. Right. I mean, you're you're saying it's gonna be even smaller. Yeah. The un the unsullied, you know. So there's about half of them, maybe under half of them left. So maybe there's four thousand unsullied. The Dothraki, you're talking like twenty thousand Dothraki left. I mean, there should be just a massive army. Now, had something else happened, had they said, "Oh, Sweet Robin supplemented," like. The northern forces with with more veil lords you know that would have been different then i would have been like oh like bronzown royce and sweet robin like are forcing something but no they don't mention that it's just he like the unsullied and the dothraki have control of king's landing and that there's a northern army outside well fuck the northern army the northern army is like small and tired and it's been through a million fucking wars like, had it been any other army, I would have been like, oh, that works. Any other right. army. Right, and, and I, would, I, I like details like this. I like knowing, like, like, like troop composition of, like, each forces. Like, I, I like knowing stuff like this, and they've very, been very inconsistent on it. Right, had they said, like, oh, House Tarly's forces and House, how, like, and the Vale for more Veil vale forces or something, anything. You know, make up a house. Just make up a house. Be, you know, or just say the you know the high towers. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like if the high tower army is out there. It doesn't matter. Like, just don't say like don't keep re- like keep pulling these northern forces out of your ass like over and over and over. Like how many northern forces can get killed? Well, we get to Tyrion's trial, and for some reason he's allowed to speak, even though Grey Worm is telling him to oh, shut God. the fuck up. And also, Grey Worm is allowing them to, like, do their own thing and on how to enact punishment. It doesn't make it do- any sense. It really doesn't. doesn't. I- he should have killed them all immediately. They should have been in a blind rage. Yeah. Just like he- they were in a blind rage earlier that day. Like, <laughs> like, killing innocents. Like, let's kill innocents, but let's not kill guilty. I would love it if, if Tyrion, just to, just to wrap it up, because he's done it, he's done it already twice. And we all know everything. It always comes in threes. I would love it if Tyrion demanded a trial by combat, and he uh, chose Jon Snow as his champion. And it would be like a, a little, little of the final boss battle would be Jon versus Grey Worm. 
yeah. then and then I guess you could have John choosing to spare Grey Worm. I guess you know the fight is over. He won. Blah blah blah. No more need to to you know shed any blood or whatever. And Grey Worm not being satisfied, so I guess John says he'll take the he'll take the black. And I guess that'll satisfy Grey Worm. I I still don't get like why does Grey Worm care about John taking the black? Because why why does it matter? It I mean that's the thing, and he's not even there to enforce it. He's now, not. I came up with some. I, I came up with some explanations on how it would be enforced mm. that I'm going to have in my Q&A vi- video, but, like, it's, um, but it, it, it's, a, it's a long stretch. Like, it's, it's ridiculous that Grey Worm sticks around for weeks. Because if he didn't care, he didn't care. He should have fucked off. But instead, it's like, I'm going to stick around for weeks to ensure that justice is done and no justice is done. John gets to go back to the wall where he chose to live any, willingly anyway and then fucks off... I imagine he's deserting at the end. I, I, that's, it's, did you get that? Did you get... So there's, there's different interpretations. Some people interpret it as, no, he's only temporarily letting the wildlings like, go north. And other people are like, no, he's totally deserting the Night's Watch, like then and there. But um, so he gets... Like, neither John nor Tyrion got any punishment. It's funny, too, because it doesn't matter. Grey Worm's going to die the moment he lands on Noth because... Right. I mean, granted, they never established in the show that it was that. The, but, the butterfly yeah, fever? The yeah, fever, so for, but, the, for, yeah. for the audience who doesn't know what the fuck butterfly fever is, apparently Noth has these species of butterflies. Their wings are as big as your palm. And they, when they, if you stick around long enough, um, they come out during the day and apparently they like poison you and you die fairly soon. That's why when slavers come to Noth, they do so during the nighttime because the butterflies are, are you know, are daytime creatures. Yeah. But they don't know that. So they're going to Noth anyways, and the Nothi are completely immune to this, but outsiders are not. So now to be to be fair, there should be some Nothi in the Unsullied army, and those guys should be like, "Uh, dude, you guys are all like anyone that's not from Noth who's immune is gonna die." <sighs> so I mean, they're sh- they're, they they should know. Certainly in the, certainly, I mean, first of all, in the book, like, Missandei's brothers are unsullied, but there's certainly going to be Nathi in the unsullied army. Not that many, though. So, so once again, a good no, chunk but, of them will uh, die. They just needs, there just needs to be one. There just needs to be one to be like, dude, guys, <laughs> let's not, let's not, like, I love you guys. Let's not go to Nath. You're, you're going to die. Now, so and obviously the writers didn't know that and, and weren't writing that. They, they're, they're writing some like beautiful beats that they all, they're all going to retirement on, on a beautiful. And beach. that's fine, but the but the whole Great Council scene was fucking stupid. First off, you have maybe three representatives from each region. Not even the Ironborn and the Dornish only get one representative, which is fine. They're their own thing. But the one thing that really bugs me because I'm a details guy and I'm a lore guy. I wanted to know all the lords that were there, and there are a lot of unnamed lords that were there. There's like a an unnamed river lord. Uh, there was a one named storm lord, but the one thing that really pisses oh, me he, off he was the... he was named. Yes, uh, uh, Lord Un, U N E. Huh. But um, yeah, I, I have no yeah. fuck it. I who fucking cares? Yeah, um, there, was, there was one guy that 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 had a stark looking cloak on, but who knows where right. he would be from. Um, and then there was one guy, one guy with a veil and one guy with the Stormlands and one guy, I guess one guy, oh, was there four extra random fucks? 
Who fucking cares? Yeah. The, the problem I have with this is, is that there needs to be way more representatives here. And I get it, like, like the audience wouldn't care about, like, minor lords from other houses. Right. But you would you would think that there would be way more, at least 20 more lords in attendance. Yeah. Because it really matters. And you didn't, you didn't need Arya in that scene. You did not. You know? Like, who the fuck cares about Arya? She, her opinion means nothing. Right. And, and I mean, come up with some other reason for Bran to be there, you know? Like, like why is Bran here? Well, some people think he's the true lord of Winterfell. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, something like yeah. that, you know? And, once again, I felt there should have been way more people. I felt more people should have had more lines and more dialogue. Gendry is the new Stormlord. Yara is the new Queen of the Iron Islands, the new Dornish Prince who we know nothing about. Poor guy, uh, I, I think he said something in like an interview that he he uh, watched uh, clips of Oberyn, uh, Pedro Pascal's Oberyn, uh, but it didn't matter because he barely get, he get, he didn't get like two minutes of screen time. Yeah, I mean he it did, did he did matter. he did he did a great job with his body language. I mean I he was did. I was watching like you know I was watching the actors that that had no lines like like sweet Rob, I was watching sweet Rob, and I was like you know considering they gave him no lines he like did the best he could like with what he did like when they're like you know oh democracy and they all have to be like ah oh, what you know and you're like oh you know character actors they can they do what they they do what they can they they try to you know have the emotion but yeah it was rough it was rough cuz there's so many things that don't make sense like like them saying that the Tyrells are all gone when we specifically hear about Tyrell cousins in early seasons, you know, and like, oh, they're land, they, those lands. You and are, your Tyrell cousins. No, but it's just like those lands are empty now. Why would they be empty? Because you killed like the family. Four like, people? All the people got up and left. You know, four people. The the, the Reach is supposedly the most populous kingdom. Like, why? Would, yeah, it's just. And, I mean, also, like, killing off the phrase never made sense to me. Like, why wouldn't there be any phrase still alive? Like, they had children, didn't they? Female phrase. Yeah, one female phrase. Mm. Two, children. Like, there's... Well, to be fair, we kind of hate the phrase now at this point. The Riverlands hate them, so they probably got chased out. I mean, you know, dispossessed by, by Edmure, maybe, but... At least the fact that they even something. brought Edmure back, I'm I'm actually kind of happy about that. But it's just oh, it's, it's fantastic to see Edmure and Sweet Robin. It was yeah. It By was the way, fantastic. Sweet Robin, I, I'm assuming he's eating whatever you fucking ate to be that big. Because <laughs> goddamn, that fucking kid got huge. Uh, he got huge. Good old like, Lino, yeah. He, I'm I'm pretty sure he's gonna start the the Vale basketball team. Cause my God, this fucking he grew so fucking big, dude. I almost <laughs> I almost didn't recognize. I'm like, who the fuck is that kid? Who's next to? Oh, is that Sweet Robin? Get out of here! Yeah, no and they didn't even they didn't even like do his makeup to make him look sickly. They made he look healthy as anything. You know, so was he ever sickly in the in the show? I don't think so. I know, but even when they even when they they showed him like so the last time we saw him was when. Littlefinger was dropping off that falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they put darkness under his eyes and made him look like he had a cold or something, you know. And, and this, they just completely, they're just like, no. He's going to look healthy and fine. Mm-hmm. You know. He grew out of it. So now Whatever. everyone's like, everyone's, he's, he's like, no longer sweet Robin, he's suave Robin. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so let's get into the fucking bullshit meat of this episode. So... By the way, when you say that Samuel Tarley is George R. R. Martin, when Samuel says the thing about democracy, I really did see it there. Yeah. 
there, there's certain things that ring of George R. R. Martin here. Like as stupid as as Tyrion's like story thing, like what binds us together is stories and who has the best story. Like that's very George R. R. Martin, even though it doesn't like I hope he writes it better than that. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a very George R. R. Martin idea. Um, so you can kind of you can kind of uh, you know sense that. So Tyrion, who is being put on trial, who why does anybody in that fucking why does anybody in attendance besides Sansa give a shit about what Tyrion has to say? Edmure oh Tully should hate Tyrion. Everyone should hate Tyrion. Everyone should hate Tyrion simply because he's, he's a fucking Tyrion. Lannister. Yeah, yeah, either because he's a Lannister or because he killed freaking Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Like, like Grey Worm. Like you could argue that you're keeping that you know we couldn't kill Jon because of the Northern Army. But why would you be keeping Tyrion alive? Like, there's no Wait, reason. Tyrion killed Daenerys? Well, Tyrion, Tyrion conspired to kill Daenerys. Right, right. I mean, first of all, so there, there, was, there was a jump in, in knowledge. So um, in that, you know, Dan, John kills Danny in, in privacy. And mm-hmm. so we have no idea why um, Grey Worm knows everything. But apparently he knows that... John killed Danny, and that Tyrion betrayed Danny. So if he knows that Tyrion betrayed her, because he, Tyrion announces like everybody hates me because I betrayed her, um, then then he must know that he like conspired, you know, to to kill her and things like that. He should have just killed Tyrion for for his participation, and you know he's keeping John alive because he has to because of this Northern Army. But there's no there's no Westerland Army. They 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 executed all of them mm-hmm. earlier in the episode. So. There's no reason. In fact, it wouldn't have been so much more po- like a much more powerful scene if, if Tyrion wouldn't shut up and, Ty- and Grey Worm just goes over to him and slits his throat. <laughs> no, I'm, and I'm being completely serious. He slits his throat and then he's like, he's like, nah, you know, or, you know who, who else, who else wants to talk? And then Davos gets up and he starts talking, or Sam. You know, like. You, we have other wise characters to communicate. Um, yeah, but they're not, they're not fan favorites. Davos is not a fan favorite. Samuel Tarly's not a fan favorite. But the thing is, they, they, they overdid it. Like, I don't know anyone that liked how much Tyrion was talking. Everyone was like, why is Tyrion commanding this situation? Well, Tyrion is, uh, I, guess, I guess you could argue that he's always had a habit of doing that. Had, had a habit of, uh, he's always had, had the talent to grab people's attention. Remember... Like if you if if you think back to like all his scenes, he always knows how to like bring the room to attention. I mean, when he and Bronn are walking out of the Vale, they get ambushed by the Mountain Clans, mm-hmm. and uh, he's able to hold off Shaga, son of Dolph. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you could argue that, but everybody in there should hate him or have no feelings towards him whatsoever. The only person in there who I guess should like him kinda is Sansa. And maybe Davos. I just I don't even know how he's gonna function as hand because the last time King's Landing saw him, he was screaming in a courtroom about how he wished they all died. And he was also a part of the army that burned the shit out of him. Right. He's like, yeah, like why? Like everyone should hate. Him. They they did hate him when he was hand last time. They should hate him even more now. It's the worst choice for hand. Yara and the Dornish Prince hate him because they aligned themselves with Daenerys and he had a hand in killing Daenerys. Yeah. 
Gendry should, should have no feelings. Samwell, I guess, should be okay with him. Samuel and Davos should be okay with him. And Dav- Arya... Well, he killed Davos' son, but um, this, the, <laughs> That's show, right, he did. the show has forgotten that. The show has forgotten that. Um, they just... God. Like, they forgot that. But Sam and Tyrion... Has Sam and Tyrion ever had a conversation? Um, Fuck. I don't even care anymore. I think... Maybe they should. Sam and Tyrion ever having a conversation? Hmm. I, can't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I don't think they've had a conversation. I mean, not alone. I think they were in the same like boardroom meeting at Winterfell. Yeah. But well, well, Sam doesn't give a fuck. Like, like Edmure Tully hates anything Lannister. He should. So yeah. he should. Mm-hmm. So, so so why would anyone... And that that bugged me. The one line that bugged me the most was Edmure going, well, I suppose you think you should be king. And he says it not in a biting, sarcastic way. He says it in a, we might be up for that idea kind of way. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. you know? And I'm like, oh, God, no one would think that Tyrion should be king. No one. And so he's like, oh, half the people would hate me. What a horrible idea. It's like, yeah, if he said that, it should have been a fucking sarcastic, like, biting line. Edmure definitely does not think that Tyrion should be king. <laughs> he's a freaking Lannister. Lannister's ruined his family. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Bran gets it and everybody in attendance goes, I, I, why? why? You don't know him. Like, right. you don't even care about him. Right. Why? Why is that even a, like a, a topic? Of, what's What's even more insulting is is the last person not to say I is Sansa, and he looks right. over at Sansa with like, "Bitch, really?" And Sansa's like, "Well, the North, you know, we're gonna be independent." And he's like, oh, "Fine, whatever." He just said, "Fine, whatever," just so she would shut the fuck up right. because he knew she would never shut up about it. It's like the one person that would support him doesn't support him, and all the kingdoms that like should be that want independence, like the Iron Islands and Dorne. Like, we're just like, I, I'm totally into this, like, great story, like, slogan. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking dumb. So horrible. I guess it would have made sense if the Iron Islands and Dorne were like, you know, these wars have weakened us and we could really use the support by being together, united as one country. I guess that would make kind of sense. But Sansa coming in and saying, like the North should be independent kind of ruins that a little because why wouldn't the North also need that support? But at the same time, you could argue that it's so big, it's its own thing. It's always has, it's always has been its own thing. It could, it could help itself no matter what, but there's just so many like weird things about like, especially Bran agreeing to it in the first place. Like what? So remember when I told you the leak and I was like, I was like, Bran, like Bran's going to be on the Iron Throne. And you were like, how does that make sense? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. This is like I said. Like you'd have to go final... through it. Like if you went through it familiar wise, like maybe if you said, well, this, you know, Edmure, this is your, this is your nephew. And he's like, I, okay. Mm-hmm. And sweet Robin, this is your cousin. Oh, okay. And Sansa, this is your brother. Okay. And in the reach, like Sam. Okay. I could see Sam. Like, because of their friendship being like, okay. So right, now and, I, Sam, and Sam knows about his abilities. Right. So, and then you've got Gendry, and then Gendry, like, because Gendry's influence from Arya, like, even though it doesn't really make sense that Gendry's in charge of the Stormlands, that's actually kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But say Gendry is in charge of the Stormlands, <laughs> because of Arya's influence on him, 
she could be like, no, say say yes, you know, say yes. Like maybe she looks at him and he looks yeah. at her and he goes. Right. Yeah. And then it's all about like, then we just have to come up with a reason. You, We would need some sort of line. Like had they said like, Theon died defending Bran because he believed Bran was important, you know, and that Bran was worth saving. Had they said just some throwaway shit like that to, to, to Yara, maybe I would have bought it. But they didn't have any of that. They, they said, oh, he's got a great story about going to a fucking tree and back. Not to mention, um, we've seen this in the book as well. People will, like, support, support others if their family members are involved. Like, Sweet Robin, Ed- Edmure, Bran is their family. Yeah. So them supporting Bran, even though, like, there's no immediate, like, you know, you know in, stuff in it for them... It's still, there's still something in it for them. Not a lot, but it's still family on the throne. Yeah, somebody said, you know, the Tully's really won in the end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Tully's really did win in the end. Wow. Yeah. I mean, as you said, Catelyn got everything she wanted, right? (laughs) Her 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 daughter's a queen, her son is a king, her brother's a lord, her nephew's a lord, and Jon is often fucking, often forgotten. Catelyn got everything she wanted. Catelyn got everything she wanted except to live. Except to live. Yeah. And, for, and for Rob to live. And for Ned to live. <laughs> and in a sense, like, if, if they did it the way you just said it, yeah, everybody kind of gets everything they want with the exception of the new Prince of Dorne. He gets nothing because nobody cares. Yara, Yara somehow gave up reaving and, Dorn, and Ironborn independence for what? I, don't, I mean, realistically, she should start reaving on the north. Because so, in the book... They're still reaving, but reaving can't be done on the Seven Kingdoms, so they have to go out to the Stepstones. Um, and so if, if the North is no longer part of the, the kingdom, she should be able to reave on them. So open season. I guess you could also argue that the North and the, 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 rest, of, the rest of Westeros have like a very close alliance. But how long is that alliance going to last when, in like 100 years when Sansa's dead and Bran is dead? I mean, that's the thing is... is Brands. So we know that the the after Brand dies, um, the new elected king queen is not. They're not going to be a Stark. But I imagine that the North is still going to have regular monarchy, and so Sansa mm-hmm. Sansa's child will be ruling the the North. Right. And then you won't have an alliance anymore. There's like, true. You know, yeah. But to be fair, though, to be fair, this is something I said in another episode of the podcast, the North never starts shit. They always get dragged into stuff. They never start it. So the North will always be its own independent thing, but they've always kept to themselves. Yeah, but they, they, they do fight over things, like over, over the sisters and things like that. Like, amongst each other, kind of. Like, uh, like, really, really well, just they, amongst they, each they, other. They fought with the veil over control over the sisters. How long ago was that, though? Uh, fairly not, not 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 so long ago actually. Like it was so. Okay, fine. They they fight with some of the southern lords, but not as often as the southern lords fight with each other. So you could, and yeah. I don't think I don't think that is in the show. So in the show, Sansa could argue that the North could be independent. We we've never started wars. We've always been dragged into them, and we're tired of fighting the South's wars. We want to be our own independent thing. That would make sense. Yeah, I mean, just the argument that, like, oh, too much blood has been lost. Like, oh, like, the Westermen and, and the Riverlanders haven't lost anybody? Go fuck yourself. 
Like, we've all fucking lost people. True. We've all lost people, but remember, the North has never started that conflict. It was always the Southern Kingdoms always starting the conflict. So that could be her argument. That part I get. And quite frankly, I will say I am getting a little ahead of myself. I did like Sansa's little crown, the dire wolf. I thought that was really oh, pretty. Oh, that, that was very pretty. Yeah, very it pretty. Was very, 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 well, very well designed. So the Great Council didn't make any sense. There should have been way more lords in attendance, way more lords and ladies representing all yeah. of Westeros. So more people, they should have split up the dialogue. We didn't need fucking Tyrion talking that much. We really didn't. And like I said, this final episode really should have been split into two parts because there's a lot of walking around, a lot of people doing nothing. I would have liked more, more like getting things done and ironing things out because there's a lot of unanswered questions in this episode, a lot of them. So Bran becomes I just, king. I just couldn't. I couldn't believe one last. Thing, I couldn't believe Tyrion got away with him with with being like, "It's not your decision to make to Grey Worm." Like he could just fucking slit your throat right there for that insubordination. <laughs> not your decision. It's not your choice. Everything's about choice. You have to choose. You have to choose. Like there's some sort of like huge deep idea to the to the concept of choosing, even though that is the George Hart Martin idea. <laughs> Really, he really should have demanded a trial by combat and had John fight Grey Worm. Like that would have been better. That's that's what people have been saying that they would have preferred. I gotta agree. Like trial by combat, Tyrion always does that, and that's how he gets away from everything. And you know, as such. Yeah. But uh, but Bran making him hand of the king once again. That's a that's a total fan move. It's the fans want him as hand dumb. of the king. Cause, I, I mean, well, I, I don't even think they what did. That's the thing. Is like this imagined fan fan move. Like imagine what what people want. You know, like like when people are sitting down with Terminator Three and they're like, "Let's do another Terminator 2, but instead instead of having like like the cop guy, we're gonna have a really hot chick. Yeah, like it, it's imagining what Chad Summerchild would like, mm-hmm. and it's like Chad Summerchild doesn't even want that. Like, yeah. Well, to be fair, the reason I think everybody wants Tyrion to be Hand of the King is because they remember Tyrion from season two, and that's one of some of his best stuff. Yeah, but you know. I would even argue that he wasn't a very good hand, but but they they make it they make, in the show they pump him up like he was a great hand. Varys they have a the specific scene where Varys sucks his dick and is like, you know, <laughs> you, you 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 know what you were doing and all this. It was Tyrion season two was probably the best we've ever seen Tyrion. Tyr, maybe a close close second would be a Tyrion season one. Tyrion season three kind of falls off just a tad. But Tyrion season four also pumps it up as well. I would argue Tyrion season two, season one, then season four, um, and since then he's just been kind of going downhill. But yeah, he's been um, sitting around and saying T-shirt slogans. Right, but uh, no, that's what people people saw love Tyrion as Hand of the King, and they want to see him again as Hand of the King. So Bran makes him Hand of the King, and then the next scene is we get is the small council. Everybody got gets what they want. Brienne gets to be Kingsguard. Podrick gets to be Kingsguard for some reason. Bronn gets high. Even though she's sworn to Sansa. Right. Bronn gets high guard. Oh, somebody, be... somebody said. Somebody said. Did you notice that that she wrote in the book and then closed it with the wet ink? Yeah. Yeah. That was just. <laughs> Somebody else is like, wouldn't it have been cool if they said fathered a child with Bri- with Brienne of Tarth? You know, had she. Oh, that, yeah, I mean, that would have been something. Yeah. That, that would have been, been that would have been interesting. But everybody, Bronn gets to be master of coin. Davos, of course, we got to give him master of ships because he knows ships. 
Like, remember that one scene where he was on a ship and he was commanding it and it blew up? Yeah. So Davos knows ships. Yeah, he knows ships. He knows ships. He hasn't um, been on a ship in freaking <laughs> long time. In many seasons. Yeah. Uh, what else? Who else is in charge? Uh, Sam, having only two maester chain links, is well, grandmaster. Where did he get those? Ma- where, first of all, where did he get those chain links? When did he have time to <laughs> start to, to get those chain links? Like I saw those chain links, but he he's he's a, first he's an acolyte. You know, he doesn't have. He's not a freaking maester. Mm. Um, he he he, he's such an oathbreaker. With the he whole, is. Whole wife and kid and uh, yeah, but we're we're gonna, we're gonna we're willing to forgive him because he was in the battle for for humanity during the Battle of Winterfell. So, yeah, I guess we can forgive him for it. Grand Maester. I mean, what does he have? I mean, what like one chain and Ravencraft and the other? Like, I'll grant that he could probably breeze through the the Ravencraft uh, a class, <laughs> you know, pretty fast. But but geez, like, how, when did he have time to study for this other link? He, but he only has two. He only has two, but that's still. So this is the third eye roll. The second one was Drogon uh, melting the throne. The third eye roll is... <sighs> Game of Thrones is not Lord of the Rings. Why are we doing Lord of the Rings? So the Song of Ice and Fire book, really? Yeah, that was, really? that was stupid. And that, that, that's a fan theory that I've seen around, and I was like, you fucking stole it. Like, you fucking, like, took that from some, like, you went on some Reddit forum and you're like, oh, I'll do that. That's what the fans want. In the books, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't A Song of Ice and Fire, like, at one point, one character, I think it was, like, Jorah, who says, it's no song I've ever heard of, when someone directs it at him. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, oh, shit. Um... It's after the house of the house of black and white, or the house, I, of, house of the undying. I, I, all I remember is someone mentioning it and Jorah saying it's no song I've ever heard of. That's all I remember from it. But it, but it's not gonna. I'm assuming in the in the books, it's not gonna be an actual book that some maester wrote. Um. Yeah. No. No. You know what it is? Is I remember it now. It's um. So in the book. During the House of the Undying, Danny sees Rhaegar with with um, with Elia, and Elia has her child, and she's like, "Oh, are you going to write him a song?" And he says he already has a song. He has the Song of Ice and Fire. And then she later asks Jorah, "Do you have you heard of this song?" And Jorah says, "It's no song that I've ever heard of." Hmm. That's what it is. Well, um. Yes, yeah, so apparently it's a book here uh, detailing everything that's happened ever since uh, Robert won the rebellion, or ever since was it ever, since he run, yeah since he won the rebellion right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all the the wars no the wars after Robert's death I think he said. Right, right, and I like I like how the Maester doesn't mention Tyrion at all, which is the stupidest thing ever because Tyrion, as far as anybody knows, killed Joffrey. Uh, Tyrion was Hand of the King to Joffrey as well. Tyrion was Hand of the Queen to Daenerys, who came over and burned everything. He was pretty much involved in a lot of the major uh, points of history in the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Yet he's not mentioned at all. Which is funny because, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Tyrion have the most chapter of any person in the books? He does. 
maybe I think Arya or Daenerys is a close second. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's Tyrion. It, 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 it depends how you count if you go number of chapters versus number of pages and things like that. But it's um, Tyrion is number one, <clears throat> and then I think John might move into number two because of because he had so many chapters in A Dance with Dragons. Arya might be number two. She's really close. Danny is four, but yeah. It's um, and Danny only because she had so many chapters. Because Danny gets has so few chapters in in um, a, a Clash of Kings that she falls behind. Oh, by the way, I, I wanted to say that like a song doesn't mean like a written history. A song is usually in the the archaic version of of a song is like poetry. So unless like Maester Ebros wrote like the whole thing in like poetry stanzas, it's not really a song. But I rolled my eyes so fucking hard when Sam brought it out, the Song of Ice and Fire, and it's just... That scene in general is probably the worst scene in the episode. Maybe running with the Great Council scene because everybody gets what they want. I don't like that so There's only like five scenes in the whole, th- in the whole thing. There's Which two is in- so stupid. The, the, the ending of a fucking show that's been running for ten fucking years really should have been two episodes. Not one. Really, it really should not have been. The entire... The, it, it should have been, been, it should have been more bittersweet. It should have been more bittersweet in the sense there should have been real loss at the end, you know, where people right. were sad. But everybody gets what they want. Tyrion gets to be Han. Davos yeah. gets to be Master And the only, the only thing that's kind of weird is that is that Bran is, like, looking for Drogon and and and, um, and Bronn kind of, like, gives him a weird look. Like, why would you be looking for Drogon? And I don't know why. You know, this gets into, this gets into the evil Bran theories, you know, and stuff. Okay, so Preston, let's, uh, let's, talk about the final closing moments of the episode and of the entire series in general. Once again, I still feel as though we should have had at least, if they don't want to do 10 episodes, at least close out this, the entire series with two ending episodes. Because I feel like episode 5 was the dreaded episode. Every season of Game of Thrones has that same formula. The penul- penultimate episode is the dreaded episode that changes the entire game and then the final episode of that season closes out and we go into the next one. Because there is no other season, I feel as though we should have had two ending episodes. Um, the first episode, in my, in my opinion, would have been episode six deals with the fallout of Daenerys. And then episode mm. seven would be the Great Council and uh, the fallout and a montage of every single character and what they're doing and what the future of Westeros looks like. See, that's the thing. That's what... I mean, they did give us a montage. I was about to make a big joke about it because it's like, wait, why do you need a whole episode when we have a montage? But, but like, uh, it, it, it's an odd thing, you know, that that they wanted to they wanted to close out. They wanted all the characters there and then close it all out and and find out what everybody was doing in the last episode, all in the last episode. Um, you know, plus deal deal with the Daenerys stuff, which was which was a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm more like, you know, closing some plot threads earlier and then then you don't have to deal with them later, you know? Mm-hmm. Like like there's no reason that everybody needed to be at the small council. Like they could have had Arya, for example, um after the Battle of Winterfell, like go on her ship and like that be the end for Arya, you know? Like they didn't need Arya didn't do anything in those last episodes. You know, she, she did. rushes she rushes into the city. She rushes out of the city. She rushes to see John. She sits in a council, and then she goes on a ship. Like she could have gone on that ship, you know, 
earlier and we could have had a goodbye for her earlier you know i think the beauty of uh, of game of thrones and a song of ice and fire in general is the show this is what the show gets wrong in my opinion the show makes the starks the main protagonist and in a sense they kind of are but at the same time this is what the books do best is give everyone their own favorite characters when you talk to mm -hmm. book fans not everybody's a fan of Jon snow not everybody's a fan of Arya. not everybody's a fan of like all of the starks you have people that are diehard Greyjoy fans and when you tell mm -hmm. someone who just watches the show i love euron why he's such a meh character yeah right. in the show but in the books oh my god he's so interesting he's got a lot going on people love yara in the books who is uh, asha like a lot of these characters in the books have their own personalities and their own things going on, whereas in the show, they're one-dimensional, and that's what the show gets wrong. So I would love a montage letting me know, like, what Arya, uh, Arya, what Yara's doing. Uh, what's going on with the new Prince of Dorne? What about Gendry? Mm -hmm. How is he filling into his position as a Stormlord? What about Ednir Tully and, you know, all these other yeah. side characters? Like, because there are, like, what is Dario doing? Like, how is Dario holding up his position in Marine? Like, picnics, man. All picnics. Picnics? Um, I would... I would love a montage of Dario like being chased out by the Marinese people, like you know, like with like a bunch of like gold in his hand or something. <laughs> the uh, the, well, I mean, that's the thing is they viewers will never understand like the the roller coaster that the books are. Where where yeah, the game a Game of Thrones, the first book is definitely a Stark heavy book. You have eight perspectives, and six of them, right, are Starks. I'm trying to do the count, you know, Ned, Cat, Arya, Sansa, John, um, uh, Bran, Bran, mm -hmm. right. And then your two, your two not are Tyrion and Danny, right. And then as time goes on, you get, you have, you know, Theon, um, Davos and Jamie added, and then you get the whole slew, you know, when it comes to Feast for Crows and, and, um, uh, a dance with dragons this you know this it becomes ironborn and dornish dominated mm -hmm. and it's um you know it's a, it's an it's an interesting shift it's an interesting shift to have the story um go away from the starks but the show never did that the show always you know it it introduced the lannisters earlier it introduced it gave more jamie and cersei time earlier than the books offered it gave more theon time earlier because mm -hmm. they didn't want to do phases like J George R. R. Martin has phases for characters that phase in and phase out. The book, the, the show did not want to do that. So all of the characters have to be there at all times. And, you know, everybody has to be, they have to close the, the, the chapter on everyone in the same episode. So, yeah. And the Starks were never out. Like, it's interesting that, you know, for years, you know, you picked up a Feast for Crows and like, the, yeah, there's, there's a couple uh, Arya chapters and a couple Sansa chapters, but for the most part, you know, there's no Starks in it, you know, and uh, even A Dance with Dragons, yeah, you've got this John story where nothing happens, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for the most part, it's a different, it, it's all these other people, but mm -hmm. yeah, they, I did feel that, that, the, that the, the Starks were the stars, they had the plot armor, we're, we were never going to see them die, um, you know, and then at the end, it's a happy ending for them. They got everything they wanted. Here's how what I would end it. We would get a little montage of what everybody's doing with that song. We get to see Sansa, Arya, Jon, every single character. Gendry, Ednor, Yara, new Prince of Dorne, maybe. I don't give a fuck. Uh, Davos, uh, Bronn in his new role. And mm. then as the song fades out, 
with John walking in the forest, uh, we get the small council scene. And then we get that last scene that you told me about that never made it, where John and Tormund find the sign. Yeah. In the snow. So 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 tell so tell the audience about that, because I know a lot of people didn't watch the spoiler episode that we did a couple days before the finale. Um, right. So there was there was a spoiler that came out that, that turned out not to be true. But what's odd is that everything around it was true, mm-hmm. just not the, that aspect of it. You know, it's sort of like when we read those leaks from a couple of years ago where everything was true except for Cersei's miscarriage. Right. And you're like, what happened? Like, did, did they change their minds about it? Because there was no miscarriage. And, it, you know, the plot line went all the way until the end. Um, until Cersei's death, uh, but somehow that was the one thing that was incorrect. So I read these read these leaks, and nearly everything was correct. It, you know, it was John has to go to the wall for for killing Danny. Um, he meets up with Tormund. The two of them like lead the wildlings north of the wall. Like that was that was all there. And then it was like while exploring. They come across a bunch of bodies, like in a in a in a uh, a formation, like in the in the woods, mm-hmm. and they realize that the uh, that the others are that the White Walkers are not gone. You know, that would have been a very chilling end. And not only that, it would have set up the prequel in a fantastic way. Because right now, people are kind of pissed off about Game of Thrones. The way it ended yeah. was awful. Show fans and casual fans and book fans alike, book fans especially as always, um, but casuals as well. Casuals hated how the show ended. They hated it. Normally yeah. they're like all up in arms about it, um, about, you know, they're all happy about like every random decision the show does that we're kind of like, eh, on. But yeah. this is something that unites everybody. Like th- that finale was fucking trash. What would have saved it, it was that whole like them finding the White Walker symbol in the snow. And it would have made sense with Bran asking for Drogon. You would right. have been like, well, wh- why do we even, like, Drogon flies off, and he, he's gone, and we don't really care where he goes. Like, he's, that's his exit, you know? But then Bran's like, let me see if I can find Drogon. Why? For what purpose? But had they found those bodies, and you realize that the White Walkers weren't gone, you would have been like, well, this war is continuing on, and Bran needs to get Drogon because he still needs to fight the White Walkers. You know, like then it would have all made sense. Instead, Drogon's just like, let me see if I can find him. Like, what? Why are you searching for Drogon? Not only that, though, but once again, we we're we're getting the prequel series focusing on the Long Night, which has to do with the Children of the Forest and the White Walkers. That ending would have been a perfect cliffhanger ending, to to because there's a lot of mystery still surrounding the White Walkers, and the prequels yeah. is supposed to answer that. I would love if if they the way they did it was they John and Tormund find the symbol in the snow. And in the prequels, we find that the White Walkers, they are the bad guys, but the Three-Eyed, the three-eyed Raven is even more of a big bad than they are. And they're yeah. trying to destroy the Raven because as long as the Raven exists, they will still exist. Kind of like Mr. Meeksies, you know? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. will always be there no matter what until the Raven is dead. That's why they always go for the Raven because to them, existence is painful. That's how I, I would make it. Right. It's, the, it's in their programming. The Children of the Forest, like, you know have their programming to, to kill, you know, the, to, to send the White Walkers against somebody. And uh, Well, then the Thread Raven, though, is the Children of the Forest's entity. I do wonder what happened, like why their little creation malfunctioned. Um, maybe they'll explain that in The Long Night. 
where you know they created they created the White Walkers to kill humanity, and, the, and then they went and they killed started killing everything, all life. So we don't, and we don't we don't know why we don't know why that happened. It supposedly set like what a thousand, five thousand, eight thousand years before something like eight. Yeah, I guess eight thousand. Right before the events of the show. So, if the White Walkers are that old, how come they're just now reemerging like five years ago in the show's time? No, I mean none of that was explained. Craster's Keep, not nothing. Like Craster's Keep, Children of the Forest, like the Return of Dragons. Like why did this all happen? Mm-hmm. The the visions, the resurrection of John, like wh- why are people getting resurrected from the dead? Why did dragons come back? Why did the others suddenly come back? How did Craster set up this entire like system uh, north of the Wall? Why are there uneven seasons? Like none of the fundamental mysteries of the of the story were, were solved at all. That's probably um, why they did their they chose to do the prequel, but. Is this the show had a fantastic moment to set it up, but they just didn't take it. They just yeah. didn't. So I, I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it seems like a lot of missed opportunities. But at the same time, I, I don't know how I feel. Arya's ending, I really don't care. Her fucking boat could, her boat could sink for all I give a fuck. I don't care. Yeah. Sansa had a, a, a pretty, pretty okay ending. John's ending just didn't make any sense to me. Like I get it. He's always drawn towards the, the north, the, the quote unquote true north. But just the way it ends with him just, you know, walking off with them into the forest. Like, I yeah, is he their new king now? Like, I don't like what do I make of that? Like, how... that, that's the thing is, is one, we don't even know if it's a desertion. It's probably a desertion. But why aren't like he just keeps walking. You're like, well, why don't the few Night's Watch people like stop him? They're on top of the wall. They can see for a long ways. Why don't they go? Oh, crap. He's deserting. Let's go get him. But they don't. Um, but say he is deserting. Is he becoming king of the no- king in the north over that, that little squad? Maybe. Probably. I guess. Well, to be fair, though, um, most of the Night's Watch members came to Winterfell with Ed. And they're probably aware of like who Jon is, what he's done. And they're probably loyal to him to some extent. So... I doubt they give a fuck what he does. For all they care, he can do whatever it is he wants. The nature well, of the Night's Watch. I has think been most changed. of the Night's Watch would be Shadow Tower, right? Like if Castle Black came to to the Battle of Winterfell and they all died. Well, East Watch is wiped out. Let's just let's just essentially say that. Mm-hmm. Like, and then Castle Black is is with Ed, and but they arrived the day of the attack. The East Watch crew and the Castle Black crew. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming the Shadow Tower crew never made it. So the Shadow Tower crew should be the largest crew, <laughs> and they don't know who John is for the most. I mean, you know, they elected him Lord Commander and all of that, but well, there were uh, some there were some Nights Watch guys who from Castle Black who did survive the Battle of Winterfell. Like we do see guys in like Nights Watch outfits there uh, yeah. during the feast. So. My my assumption is, even if he is, like, ranging or deserting, I don't think any of them care because the whole war with the wildlings, that's all done. Who gives a fuck? And I don't think any of them really care. It, the, I'm, I'm sure the Night's Watch at this point is just going to be served as, like, exile for certain people. Yeah. It's it's such a silly thing. I mean, they even the scene was rather meta when 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 John says there's still a night's watch because that's us the audience going there's still a night's watch. Yeah, like it's lamp it's lampshaded. Um, 
And then she says, oh, there's always going to be a place for bastards and broken men. It's like, uh, well, I mean, you don't really have an official like mission for them. The wildlings aren't really wild anymore and there's no white walkers and there's a hole in the goddamn wall. So what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> and there's no one, there's no one alive for the wildlings to raid on, you know, like that's the other thing. <laughs> like there's no umbers left to even raid on. So uh, <laughs> it's what, what's the point of the night's watch? I don't know. It's just a lot of quest. Like, like I, I'm someone who's a minor details guy. After the Battle of Winterfell and during the whole feast ceremony thing, I was looking for who was left alive. Like during mm, the yeah. whole, dur like, like during like battles and stuff like that. I'm looking at shields, like which houses are involved in which fighting. And I noticed that during the uh, the Battle of Win of King's Landing, when Danny starts uh, destroying everything, I see some uh, Veil soldiers in there with Jon's army. So, like, I, I, I'm all about those types of details. Like, I want to know the names of every lord in attendance at the Great Council. Like, that's the kind of, you know, I'm into yeah, that yeah. stuff like that. And this this bothers the living shit out of me that these small details are never going to be answered. Like, why is this? Why is that? Who's here? Who's there? Because there are a lot of places in the north, as well as in most of Westeros, that have been destroyed, wiped out, and, and, and there are no more families there. How do those positions get filled? Who gets those lands? Right. Like, we never found out who takes the Dreadfort. That, I was just about to say that. Because if I was... I would have loved the scene with Sansa just saying, like, tear it down and make sure nothing grows there ever again. You know, or give it to someone else. Or have it be, like... just like, have, it, have it just be, like, a, like a giant ruin as a monument of, of what happens when you fuck with the Starks. Something, you know? But that never yeah. came true. But now, now, yeah, it's just there's there's so many empty empty lordships and everything. I mean, I guess you know everybody's gonna split up the land, and all the, all these the very few northerners that are left are gonna be super rich. I, I guess <laughs> if they can get people to farm their farm their land. <sighs> so, Preston, in conclusion, this was probably one of the the worst episodes of Game of Thrones ever. Like. This, this entire season, mm. once again, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Season 8 is Godfather Part 3 bad. It is not Tommy Wiseau's The Room Awful. But this episode is Tommy Wiseau's The Room Awful. It was, it was truly an awful episode. A lot of it Yeah, I was about to say, like, like, you know, it's much worse than Godfather 3. <laughs> much, much worse. Much worse than Godfather. It, 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 it's, it's Batman and Batman and Robin having a bat credit card awful. Like that, yeah, it's no, that it's awful. it's Batman, it's Batman and Robin, like because it's because it's just it's ridiculous and a farce, you know, like, um, you're right, it is. It's just like there's no there's no logic, there's no, the story doesn't make any sense at all, um, you know, they're they're wrapping everything up just quickly, and yet there's and yet it's boring. I don't, it, it it's a it was a disaster on so many levels. That I think that's the that's the most egregious thing is that for the final episode of Game of Thrones, it was boring. What I, and I normally don't say that. Like I normally don't say like well because this is something you complain about a lot. Like you always say nothing happened, and I'm always the, the guy that goes well nothing did it not happen. I mean stuff happened. It's just you know it didn't move along at a certain pace. But you're right here. Nothing happened. The pro the pro so we get in these hype trains, right? Where where 
you know, everybody's going to be, everybody's like, oh my God, we're going to have this reunion between Santa and John at the wall. They're finally going to see each other. And there's, and they've got so much to talk about. And then we finally get that Santa John meeting and they sit around like drinking soup. And she's like, sorry, I was mean to you. And, and like, they don't talk about anything. And then you're like, oh my God. And then all these characters are together and they have like these, these long dinner scenes where no one says anything. And you're like, you know, and you, they have them on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Stark family reunion. Oh, my God. So much is going to go down because they're finally together. And it's like, no, they stand around a tree. And Bran says to Sansa that she was really beautiful the night she was raped. And like <laughs> just nothing, you know, like you could have all sorts of interesting conversations and dramatic tension between these characters. And instead, they just sit around and say nothing. You know, people could be arguing in rubble, you know, after that battle, screaming at each other and being emotional. But instead, it's just sad walking. Ugh. You know, what's really funny is Danny's little conversation about Viserys, um, where she saw the throne and then she turns to, to John and she starts talking about the the number of swords and how she's like super happy. And she's talking about Viserys. Like that was the, that was like one of the few moments of the episode where my, like my interest peaked where I was like, Oh, somebody's talking about something like, like there's emotion. She's, she's talking about her past and then John cuts her off so that they can talk about nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just, you just kind of sigh at this point. It really, it really is neglect. It really is. Like, once again, people in the comment section of a fucking YouTube video just writing what they would have done in this position of the writers, even they have better ideas than people paid to do it. It's it's neglect. It's almost as though they don't give a fuck. And I, 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 don't, I almost don't want to believe that they don't give a fuck because, come on, you guys are paid to make one of the greatest television shows of all time. Yeah. How do you, like, not give a fuck at this point? You're professional writers. You spent, a, you know, you spent, this is your craft. Yeah. Like, this is what you do. Like, how do you, I would argue, this is something a lot of YouTubers have told me in private. They, they like, a lot of YouTubers, when they first start out, they're all like, yeah, YouTube, yeah, let's, mm, let's get in there. And they do their videos, and it gets rave reviews, but there's always that 1% of people who bitch and complain about nothing. Despite yeah. you, there could be a thousand comments. 99% of them, 99.9% .9 of them are like fantastic. But there's always that, you know, that 0.1% who's just not satisfied with one stupid thing. And you always focus and like go in on that. And it kind of yeah. does ruin your enjoyment sometimes. And maybe you could argue that some of the writers went online and saw, like, you know, people bashing the show for what it is. And maybe this was their fuck you to everybody bitching about the show. No, I mean, I don't know what happened. I, I, cause no, I, I, I truly believe that they wanted to put out something good. Um, I, if I were really to say like what happened is they had these plot points and they, and they, they needed to get characters from A to B and they didn't know how to get them from A to B because they were just told, well, they're at A and they're at B, you know, like, like Carmine, I want you to write a story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this story, 
he's gonna this guy he's gonna have a crazy cross cross country adventure. He's gonna start in New York City and he's gonna end up in L.A. And in the middle, he's he's you know um, he's gonna find uh, uh, an alien, you know, somewhere in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and this is pretty much the story. Okay. And you're like, and then you you get this writer and he's like, crap, like I've got to get this guy from from New York to, to LA and he's got to find an alien in Kansas. And he's, I think they're scared to add much more because they're like, well, if we add too much more, it's no longer an adaptation of George R. Martin's stuff. But all he's given him, me is the New York, the Kansas alien and the LA. So they pop him in a car and they have him driving. And then he arrives in, in uh, Kansas and he immediately gets this alien and then he ends up in LA and you're just like, well, nothing happened in that story. Well, because it was just explained to me like quickly, like the, the general plot. And it's like, well, you didn't develop any of the texture. You didn't explain how and why he went from New York to Kansas, like, and where this alien came from and you know, why he decided to go to LA and he, you know, there was no creative process in any of that. You were just trying to crap out what someone had quickly summed up their story as. And I think maybe that was the problem, is that they really just wanted to, to sum up George R. R. Martin's story without telling a story, you know, without going through building character development, creating character tension, like getting there, like putting, putting their heart and soul on a page. Um, they just wanted to get the events out. They wanted they wanted to hit those three major beats, which is Hodor, yeah. Shireen, and what was the what was the last one? Uh, maybe I uh, probably Danny. Danny dying. Yeah. So in hindsight, they probably should have just covered everything George had done on paper and then done everything themselves, because. Even George Martin said that the ending is going to be somewhat similar, but with different beats. At this point, I would just rather the show do its own thing, go its separate ways, you know? Absolutely. And and the thing is, what George said, you know, we can't believe what George says, because in in, he's also said that, like, well, also keep in mind that there's a butterfly effect. Like, at right now, he plans on ending it the same way, but as he writes, you have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if he even if if he even gets to the ending, because come on, <laughs> everybody keeps so, saying the same thing. But again, well, I mean, what do we what do we expect? You know, like let's be optimistic and say, you know, he claims that, you know, Winds of Winter is going to be out next year. You know, okay, seven years to write another book after that, eight years to write another book after that, mm. and I you know. For for a story that we all know cannot be summed up in two books, you don't know that. I mean, Winds of Winter couldn't like have literally insane things happening every chapter. You don't know that. And then, and if if that happened, it would it would be as bad as season season eight. Mm. That's a good point. Like That's we know point. that it takes it takes time to get the characters from one place to another. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what. I well, John is dead, so they could pretty much. Uh, honest, honest to God, if George R. R. Martin wanted to like improve the story, he he would keep John dead. He's not going to keep John dead, no. but it would be it would be, like John's story 
like it's a fine arc if you leave it as it is you know he tried to do the right thing he got killed for at the end and then just go on with the story without him like we've got melisandre to tell the story of the north we have theon to tell the story of the north we have uh, uh da- asha to tell the story of the north and davos we have davos to tell the story of the north we have bran to tell the story of the north we don't need john we have every area covered we've got north of the wall with bran we've got the wall with mel we've got winterfell with theon and we have davos off somewhere <laughs> but who's going to face off against ramsay stannis yeah, but Asha, uh, I, um, yeah, I guess. But uh, I mean, wouldn't it be so much more interesting if, like, I mean, even if you, you know, even if you don't like Stannis, like, wouldn't it be fantastically interesting if somehow Asha like pulled out some sort of situation where she ended up conquering the North again? Like, wouldn't that be fucking crazy? That you know? that would be a little fucking crazy. Yes. I'd, yeah. I mean, you know, and then imagine Davos like following around Asha. Like that would be fucking insane. <laughs> that would be that would be that would be strange bedfellows, but I mean Right. <laughs> but that's the that was one of the brilliant things about the move of taking Stannis and having him suddenly show up at the wall in the book. Um and, and what a shock it is mm-hmm. where you're taking this character from one area of the story and then suddenly he's he's getting thrown up in a different area and everything's getting mixed up. You know, and that was that was really cool, but um, I don't know. But uh, I just uh, we, are we gonna see are we gonna see that sort of adventure and unexpectedness? I hope so. That's it's George, George R. R. Martin's M.O. It's so odd for him to be writing a story that everyone seems to know the ending to. Yeah. When his whole thing when his whole thing is subverted expectations and like surprising people. I almost wish George. I almost wish the showrunners just did their own thing. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I do wish the showrunners just did their own thing. Like, you can tell like they probably didn't want this and this to happen, but they followed through with it anyways. They should have just done their own thing. They really should have. Even if it would, it would have right. been Hollywood and cliche, which a lot of Thrones after season five was Hollywood and cliche. That's fine. If it's gonna suck, suck, and do just do at least do your own thing. Just say you tried. I'm sure, that, I'm sure the showrunners didn't want to do Evil Danny. No, they probably I'm sure didn't. they didn't want to. You know? I mean, they spent all of these years, like, doing glorious music and making her a protagonist and all this. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, you've got to make her evil at the end. Re- what? Ah, crap. We've got to somehow throw this in. How? I don't know. I'm sure the showrunners didn't want to have Jamie go back to Cersei. Yeah. It really does fuck up his character arc. Like I said, the one thing the one thing that he says that really ruins the whole character for everybody who's a Jamie fan is when he says, "I never really cared about the innocence." Like, come on, dude, really? Right. You really? You're... Yeah, I never really liked him. But yeah. that's so that contradicts everything you fucking said in season three right. during the bathhouse scene with uh, Brienne. Right. Like, had had I mean, and they could have just they could have had you know Tyrion say something like, "You don't mean that." What are you What are you What are you saying? You know, they could have had that kind of thing. Like, um, you know, you're, you're, you're just trying to get a rise out of me or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. The only character that actually stayed true to form, I think, in this entire show is Davos. And if you think about it, any progression Davos went through as a character 
didn't ruin his storyline in the end. Like, Davos is still Davos at the very end, and nobody's complaining about it because it was just fine. Yeah, but what was weird is that he kept... What's weird is he kept becoming happier as the story went on. He kept becoming, <laughs> you know? It starts out, he's a pretty serious guy. And then all of a sudden, he's like, jolly old Davos, with his, like, lo- little colloquialisms and shit. You know? He's ecstatic at the end. You know? St- why? Where's your wife, Davos? <laughs> like, <laughs> What's your wife? You're the only person who remembers, like, these minor things. Like, you really are. Like his wife and, his, and Salador San? <laughs> what? Salador San is a good name for songs. You're the, you, by the way, I, I think everybody forgot that Davos had a son. I, I honestly do. I even forgot that he had a fucking son. And I forgot that Tyrion is the one that's responsible for his death. Yeah, yeah, well. Tyrion and Bronn, technically. Yeah, yeah. Who are now both in the small council. It's sad. It's sad. <laughs> and Roy Detrice. Oh, Roy Detrice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Preston, why do I feel so empty that this fucking show is now it ended this way? Like, you're supposed to feel a sense of fulfillment when the show ends, but no, like they really dropped the ball. They this is probably this is the worst. Not probably. This is the worst episode of this entire show. It really is. It really is. <sighs> Like worse than when when Arya was running through the streets, like the away like from the Terminator, the wave. yeah, yeah. Because it is worse because a lot of people really liked her whole clever putting you know turning out the candle thing. That was clever, to kill, like to kill the wave. Yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty cool. But the, the whole whole thing, like I am Arya Stark and I'm going home, and then the right. very next season completely ruins her character. Like season seven makes her like just a completely different person. Than she was oh last season. Season seven, she was just the schizophrenic thing. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Completely different character. Hating on Sansa. Like acting really weird in front of in front of Hot Pie. Yeah. <sighs> so. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You're so sad. It, You're so sad. It really is sad because. I don't know what's wrong with me, man. Like, or maybe it's just the world. But as I get older, I just notice everything starts just just sucks. Everything. Well, it's just it's sucks. odd. I mean, it is very much life in general. Like most things in life, you 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 really love it, and then you stick with it long enough to the point where you start hating it. Like that's just there's so many things in my life that were like that, you know. Like so, I I used to go when I was a young man. I went to summer camp every year and i loved my summer camp i fucking loved it and i went to my summer camp every year and then eventually i got old enough that i became a camp counselor and i was a camp counselor there and i had a really bad experience as a camp counselor uh with the management like um running the place and i mean all the kids were great the other the other counselors were great but the management they were just they were just bad and so now like that entire memory of like years and years and years going to camp and then becoming a camp counselor at the end, like it's a little, you know, it's, it's like soured. Like everything, if you, if you stick with anything long enough, it always gets soured, you know? (laughs) I just don't understand why these fucking television, this is one of the reasons why I refuse to watch shows that have more than like 10 to 13 episodes, because I know it's just, 
a lot of it's gonna be filler a lot of it's gonna be crap like like i have a friend of mine she's super into riverdale and like the first season of riverdale had like 10 episodes and was great yeah and then as as the seasons went on they added they tacked on more episodes and it started to fucking suck and she's she's bitching about it. I'm like, I told you, I I told you. Whenever they add more episodes, it starts to suck. Whenever a show gets dragged yeah. on too long, like The Walking Dead, it just starts to blow dead. This is this is this was Mark David's Mark David Chapman's um, uh, defense when he killed John Lennon in court. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you uh, know this. I don't. I don't. His defense. What was his defense? So Mark David Chapman killed John Lennon, and his defense was Catcher in the Rye. Right. Yeah. That if that if he that if he killed John Lennon when he was still innocent, he'd be always like remembered as as being innocent. Um, which the plot of Catcher in the Rye is, you know, the guy's the kid's younger brother dies when he's like eleven, and so he always remembers his brother as being innocent, and so he like weirdly wants to go out and protect protect people's innocence um and so the, the, this was his like argument that i killed john lennon to save him because had he not killed john lennon you know there would have been some beatles reunion and they would have it would have been hokey and they would have been a fucking joke just like every other old band that's still going around you know trying to make money you know like so that that was of course it didn't work it was psychotic and they put him in well, jail. Well, I know he killed but... <laughs> I know he killed John Lennon because of Catcher in a Rye, but I didn't know that was like the reason that he gave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the title Catcher in the Rye is is he he he's got the Holden Caulfield has this dream that he's this guy at the edge of a cliff and there's these kids playing in a rye field and that he's going to catch them before they can fall off the cliff. And so that that he's he's obsessed with protecting children from innocence. And and part of this, the big part of this is the fact that his younger brother died, bef- you know, when he was still young. And so he never had any sort of like, you know, idea of him being corrupted through through aging. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was his his Mark David Chapman's argument for it. And uh, <laughs> kill John, kill John Lennon to save him. Before we wrap up this this uh, podcast, because I know we've been going on for a long time. Um, I'm going to ask you this one question. It's, and this is the question that, that not a lot of people are asking, but I'm going to ask you. Whose fault is it that Game of Thrones sucks? Is it Dave and Dan's or is it HBO? Because originally Dave and Dan wanted 70 episodes, 70 hours for the entire show. When HBO came in, they said, no, give us eight seasons. Not seven seasons, give us eight. Give us eight seasons, ten episodes each if you can. They said, no, we want to do seven episodes, seven, uh, seven, um, Ten episodes each season. Uh, HBO says, no, give us eight. Come on, we'll give you more money. So Dave and Dan, around season five, season six, were forced to stretch out certain things. That's why it seems Mm. so... That's why season seven and and eight seem so incoherent. So they were forced to take certain elements. I'll even argue season six, a lot of the episodes also felt a little incoherent, a little slow from time to time. That's why why I hate season six so much, because half the episodes were fucking trash. Yeah. So, well, whose fault is it? Is it Dave and Dan, or is it HBO for wanting more? No, I mean, I'm going to say that the lion's share of the fault is it is with Dave and Dan, but I do think I, I'm I'm going to put place some blame on George R. R. Martin, and I place some blame on George R. R. Martin because he kept saying 
that, oh, my book is going to come out soon. My book is going to come out soon. And so Dave and Dan held off on sending the show in an original direction, which is why like season six is a replay of season five because they're like, oh crap, we've run out of material. Let's have every character run in place, you know, to buy ourselves a year so we can get Winds of Winter and then we'll have material again, which is why like, you know, the, the battle for Marine happens twice. The battle for Winterfell happens twice. Like everything happens twice. Um, uh, in in seasons five and six, so it's just it's um, Arya is just at the house of black and white, you know. It it's um, and so I I do I do think it's they had consciously made this decision that they were going to do an adaptation. They were going to take George's material and adapt it, and then when they when they were told, oh, I'm going to get more material, and then they didn't get more material, they were rushed. They were panicked. They didn't know what to do. They got these plot points and they wanted to stick to the plot points. You know, I do think it's mostly Dan and Dave's fault, but I, I somewhat know that Dan and Dave, when given their own creative free will, can produce something, you know, because it's not like their books are bad. Um, X-Men, X-Men Origins Wolverine is bad, but maybe that's it. Maybe the, what's weird is they've been doing adaptations and they're really bad at adaptations. <laughs> Well, I I'll have to disagree with you there because what happened? Let's say season six comes out. Let's actually let's yeah. say the end of season five is here. Season six is about to start filming. They're about to start writing it and start filming it. And then Winds of Winter releases. Well, let's 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 assume that they get Winds of Winters before they get Winds of Winter before it's out to the public. Okay, fine. They have material for season six and season seven. Then what are they gonna do with season eight? There's no dream. Of, uh, there's no dream of spring. Right, I mean, they're they're just hoping that in that time George R. R. Martin would would crap on another book or something, because he you know he keeps saying things like, "Oh, I can write a book in a year." Well, no, you can't. You can't write a book in eight years. But, you know, they kept believing it. You know, when the when the when this writer sits down, this writer that you know, that you respect, that you're you're adapting his work, and he tells you like, "Oh, I'm gonna have this material for you," and then he doesn't produce it. You know, so it's not like I don't sympathize with their position a little bit. It, it's, but they should have been bold enough to, to write their own story. I don't know, man. I agree with you that on that point, but I don't know. I, th- I think HBO should get the lion's share of the blame because Dave and Dan originally, from the very start, wanted 70 episodes, and, a- and HBO wanted them to stretch it out to 76. So... Mm. I, I got I gotta lay the fault mo- mostly on HBO because had HBO not wanted to extend the entire show an extra season, maybe we would have gotten a more coherent story where they didn't have to stretch yeah. out storylines. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean it's it's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I guess you know we that they had to they had to deal with with the adaptation that, that, that we just can't see that if we sat down with them, um, and, and saw from their perspective, we'd go, Oh, okay. You know, like, like, so if we go back to like all the small problems of season one, seasons one and two, for, for example, the biggest complaints people had about seasons one and two was that you had these extra characters like Roz and Theon doing nothing because Theon didn't, doesn't have a role in a game of Thrones for the most part. 
And so, but they didn't want to introduce a character like Theon in the second season and just have him be an extra in the background um, like the books did. So they gave this like Roz Theon plot to like give Theon some extra screen time and ran- random scenes here and there. Or random scenes for Jamie and Ned, you know, and things like that. Um, because they didn't want to do the whole phasing characters thing. And so it's like, and so I understand why those problems came about. Like, well, what do you do when, when actor contracts work a certain way and you have this actor and he's standing around and you feel like you should utilize him, you know? Um, and so you write a scene for them and the scene doesn't really fit and it's just killing time. So it's, I guess they, they, they were smart in like, in that they didn't have Bran appear for an entire season. But, you know, say, say you're Dan and Dave and someone says, okay, well, one of the big plot points is that Arya is going to kill the Night King. Oh, great. Okay. So she finishes with the Black, Hearts of Black and White and then she's going to go kill the Night King. What do we do with her in the meantime? I don't know. And they have to sit down. They're like, well, we have this actor on contract and people are going to wonder where she is for an entire year. But what do we do with her between the time of the Night King and like her leaving the House of Black and White? Uh, and so they, they fill time with her for a year and a half. <laughs> oh, man. It, I mean, that's the thing is they, they weren't good with like they were hindered by they, there were certain restrictions. George R. R. Martin's plot points, George R. R. Martin not giving them the story. Um, HBO, actor contracts, things like that. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and we all we can all we can do now is look forward to the prequel, which I hope will be better. But quite frankly, I don't give a fuck about Westeros eight thousand years ago. I really don't. I love <laughs> the political struggles. I love the political intrigue. I love the house wars against each other. I don't really care much about the White Walkers. Yes, I want those situations and those mysteries to be explained, but at the same time, I would rather see Targaryen versus Targaryen. I would rather see Stark versus Baratheon. I would lo- I would love to see stuff like that, and we're not going to get it. These answer these questions that we're asking about like whose fault it really is can only be answered in one of two ways. 10 years down the line when someone a part of the show's internal system writes a book or a re- someone releases a documentary or whatever like an actual documentary not a not a documentary that they're going to release like in a couple of weeks of them patting themselves on the back about like you know how long it took of the show and all the actors and act like i don't care about that i want to know like what 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 went on behind the scenes were like there were there like people behind the scenes that hated each other like that's what i want to know or there's a person inside the organization who's anonymous who leaks information I'm a big fan of the Stern Show, as some of you might know, the Howard Stern Show. And ever since 2011, Howard Stern has been fucking awful. He's been very politically correct, and he's just pretty much shed his old persona. And there have been multiple times where someone from the Stern Show, on Reddit, in an anonymous forum, have released information regarding what happened to Howard and how he became this way. And it's very disturbing, but it makes a lot of sense as to what the hell we're seeing. That's what I would like to happen with Thrones now. Someone from inside coming in and shedding light on all these internal struggles that led to the show being as bad as it is. Hmm. Oh, well. 
I know. Uh, Preston, will you join me again next week on your channel and so we can discuss the entirety of Season 8? Of course, of course. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And Preston, also thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thrones Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Have a good one.